the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Leibson Show. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. You want to do a little political philosophy along the lines of uh, the eternal question, what is conservatism? What is a conservative? I had occasion the other day to cite Ronald Reagan's off-quoted question regarding the welfare state's dependence on government and government's reliance on elite experts. Ronald Reagan used to say, quote, if no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? It's an often undervalued quote of Ronald Reagan's. And I had occasion to think on it again after reading a great op-ed by Dennis Prager he released this week. It was titled Explaining Conservatism. Dennis puts out a column every Tuesday, and over at DennisPrager.com you can get his most recent uh, on that issue, Explaining Conservatism, DennisPrager.com. As I say, it is great, and it focuses mostly around the issue of liberty or freedom, which he calls the most important of conservative values. And I'm hoping with some humility I might add one aspect to this that I think Reagan's quote gets to. Liberty requires equality, and it only works if we also appreciate what our founders' view of equality was. Liberty only works if it's attached to the founders' view of equality. I'm somewhat buoyed by this notion in observing that liberals, leftists, and progressives have dispensed totally with the word equality and speak now instead of equity. So I know we're on to something here. I rely here on my old professor, Harry Jaffa, who wrote a famous essay in political science circles a few decades back entitled, surprisingly to many at the time, Equality as a Conservative Principle. You don't often think of it that way. But it is. And it seems to me just now how worthwhile it is to speak on this, especially as we consider the word liberty to be so distorted by the left as well. We start by noting the difference between liberalism and radicalism or progressivism. Liberalism and progressive radicalism both reject the wisdom of the past. It's enshrined in the institutions of the past, Harry Jaffa writes, or in the morality of the past. They deny legitimacy to laws, governments, or ways of life which accept the ancient evils of mankind, such as poverty, inequality, and war, as necessary and therefore as permanent attributes of the human condition. Political excellence to them means they're Abolition, not working with or minimizing, but abolishing things like poverty or um, inequality or war. The old liberalism saw life as a race in which justice demanded for everyone only a fair or equal chance in the competition of life. 
But the new liberalism, we should call it leftism, sees the race itself, the race itself as wrong. Thus, acquisition of property is wrong, as Paul Kingor and I discussed yesterday. That thought, the abolition of private property, is the essence of the Communist Manifesto. Marx and Engels say that explicitly. But as Jaffa asks, what was slavery itself but a denial of the foundation of all property rights by the confiscation of the right that a man had in himself and in the fruits of his own labor? So how do we become, how do we become one nation or one nation under God? A people become a people only by virtue of the principle of equality. As Abraham Lincoln would put it in speaking of blacks in the 19th century, quote, and the right to put into his mouth the bread that his own hands have earned, he is the equal of every other man. In pointing out that more has been given to you, you cannot be justified in taking away the little which has been given to him. All I ask, Lincoln said, for the black man is that if you do not like him, let him alone. If God gave him little, or if anyone gave him little, that little let him enjoy. Surely no simpler nor more eloquent appeal ever was made to the principle of natural justice. Equality here meant nothing more than the equal right of all men to be treated justly. In his message to Congress, July 4, 1861, Lincoln defined the cause of the Union. It was, he said, to maintain in the world that form and substance of government whose leading object is to elevate the condition of men, to lift artificial weights from all shoulders, to clear the paths of laudable pursuit for all, to afford all an unfettered start and a fair chance in the race of life. The Declaration of Independence, of course, affirms it to be a self-evident truth that all men are created equal. Within short intervals during the Revolution, the people of the several states adopted new constitutions. Most of these constitutions contained their own preambles, bills or declarations of rights, which gave the foundation of principles upon which they were to erect the forms of government they thought most likely to affect their safety and happiness. For example... Virginia stated, quote, that all men are by nature equally free and independent. Pennsylvania had it that all men are born equally free and independent. Vermont, that all men are born equally free and independent. Massachusetts, that all men are born free and equal. New Hampshire, that all men are born equally free and independent. Delaware, that all government of right originates from the people and is founded in compact only. And Maryland, that all government of right originates from the people and is founded in compact only. All these statements of principle, Jaff goes on, where they are not verbally identical, mean one and the same thing. It will be observed that Virginia, Pennsylvania, Vermont, New Hampshire say equally free and independent, while Massachusetts says free and equal. Clearly, equal and independent mean the same thing. Also, born and by nature mean the same thing. These expressions mean simply that government is the result of an agreement by men who were originally or by nature or born equally free and independent. Jefferson's created equal phrase is simply the most succinct formulation of this very commonly understood doctrine. The proposition that all men are born free is itself an inference from the proposition that all men are born equal. 
the equal this is where we're getting equality attached to liberty the equality of all men by nature and the freedom of all men by nature differ only as the concavity of a curved line differs from its convexity the two are distinguishable but inseparable i might add like the up nature of a staircase and the down nature of a staircase and this is the crux of the teaching that keeps us from becoming totalitarians where some humans get to treat other humans as less than human and thus kill them as the graves of communist societies in the third reich did there is no difference between a man and man as there is between man and for example dog such that one is recognizable as the other's natural superior. And if men are not naturally subordinate one to another, as all the brute creation are naturally subordinate to man, then they are naturally not in a state of government or civil society. They are instead naturally free and independent or born free and independent. But they are born free and independent because they are born or created all as one, all the same, all same in the decisive respect. In other words, all equal, all equally human. As Abraham Lincoln put it, no man is good enough to govern another man without that other's consent. That men are by nature free and equal is the ground simultaneously of political obligation, of consent as the immediate source of the just powers of government, and of a doctrine of limited limited government and of an ethical code. Because man is by nature a rational being, he may not rule other rational beings as if they were mere animals. Because man is not all-wise or all-powerful, because his reason is swayed by his passions, he may not be a judge in his own cause, and he may not therefore rule other men despotically. Men do not need the consent of brute creation to rule over it. Nor does God need the consent of men rightfully to exercise his providential rule over them. Man is the in-between being. He is between beast and God, a little lower than the angels, if you will. Consent is that ground of obligation which corresponds with this in-betweenness. It is the contemplation of this universe articulated as it is into the intelligible hierarchy of beast, man, and God, which not only brings consent as a principle into view, but also enlightens it and brings it thereby into harmony with the laws of nature and nature's God, as our declaration speaks of. So to repeat, the proposition that all men are created equal implies an understanding of man in the light of the universe and the light of the distinction between the human and the subhuman on the one hand and of the human and the superhuman or God on the other. As we have already said, it does not, for this reason, ignore the very important differences between man and man. On the contrary, it is for the sake of those differences that it denies any man the right to rule others as if those others were animals. And there are no standing rules and impartial judges to govern the differences between slaves and their owners and masters. For the rule of a master to be a matter of right, the master would have to differ from the servant, as God supposedly differs from man. Whatever one's beliefs as to the existence of God or divinity, it is evident or, as our founders put it, self-evident that no man possesses the power or wisdom which we presume or suppose that God possesses. One understands that the proposition that all men are created equal is not about man alone, but about man, God, nature, 
And that nature implies the difference between the human and the subhuman, as well as that between the human and the superhuman. Consider the famous passage of James Madison in the 51st Federalist Paper. He writes, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. Here, the very nature of the problem that constitutionalism is meant to solve is determined by the meaning of equality, not equity, equality. Do we not recognize that the equality of all men by nature, leading as it does to civil society, is the justification for the inequalities of civil society? Do we not thereby see that officials are but men and must live under the laws that they make and administer? As Abraham Lincoln put it, the master not only governs the slave without his consent, but he governs him by a set of rules altogether different from those which he prescribes for himself. Later, Lincoln would say, as I would not be a slave, I would not be a master. Do not all the totalitarian slave states of our time rest upon theoretical propositions in which race or class differences delude some men to consider themselves superhuman or as gods? And does not this delusion lie at the root of their brutality and bestiality? Is it not that this... Is it not this that makes them think that for the sake of the classless society or the thousand-year Reich, everything is permitted to them? Everything? Surely Abraham Lincoln was right when he said that the doctrine of human equality was the father of all moral principle among us. And so I think we need to append the notion of equality to liberty as both important and necessary essentials of conservatism. Liberty without equality allows for the definition to be unrestrained or the Wolf's Dictionary that leads to a Stalin or a Hitler to think he can do whatever he deems his liberty, his right, his freedom to do. But if you temper it with equality, tempering it with equality is the restraint that defines liberty, preventing such dictators to pervert nature and God, allowing some men to see themselves as gods and thus treat others as animals. Jaffa would put it this way, both Nazis and Marxist communists take as their foundation a view of history derived from Darwinian biology. The Nazis saw history as a competition of races with the struggle for power, ultimately by means of war, determining who was the fittest and who, deserve, who deserved to survive and rule. The master race stood in the same relationship to the inferior races that the human race had stood in relationship to the lower order of animals in the old view of things. Hence, these inferior races could logically and consistently be enslaved or exterminated or used for their hides and tallow the same way we use cattle. The Holocaust was no more to them than the shambles of the Kansas City stockyards is to us. In the case of the communists, they simply substitute the phrase and thinking of class struggle for the race struggle of the Nazis. But the human consequences are the same. Anything denominated counter-revolutionary in a Marxist regime suffers the same f fate as anything called dysgenic in the Nazi regime. That is why I say the abandonment of human nature is the abandonment of the ground of all morality. So yes, liberty is our essence. But also, I think importantly, critically, so too is equality, for it tempers and instructs the contours of that liberty. By the way, 
This also is why I am not a libertarian. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As inflation rises and your dollars are stretched thinner, more people are considering a reverse mortgage. I'm here to showcase Bingo Reverse Mortgage and share how their trusted team can take some of the guesswork out of it and the benefits to you. Bottom line, a reverse mortgage allows you to convert equity in your home into cash or to purchase a home. To qualify, you must be a homeowner at least 55 years old and have sufficient equity in your home. A reverse mortgage can be your ace in the hole when it comes to actually retiring instead of dreaming of retirement. The fact is, most Americans won't be able to retire. Bingo Reverse Mortgage is saving the American retirement. Get the safety net you deserve. Call the incredible Bingo team at 928-277-4476 or visit BingoReverseMortgage.com. That's BingoReverseMortgage.com. Tell them I sent you and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. Bingo. Um, I closed my monologue by saying, and that's why, among other things, I am not a libertarian. We have talked over the past week or two about the libertarians uh, spoiling uh, Republican victories. Uh, Let me put it differently. Libertarians because of their own self-satisfaction and arrogance handing elections over to Democrats. And though they say they are in the quest for freedom, thus handing over elections and governance to socialists and bigger government and an expansion of progressivism in the welfare state. For when a libertarian draws a vote for a Republican from a Republican, that's exactly who you are ending up giving the vote to, the Democrat. And thus, we have this Senate race where we are doing everything we can. We talked to Matt Schlapp about this a bit earlier. Everything we can for reclaiming our Senate seat that Mark Kelly holds for the Republican Party. And there's a brand new poll out, a brand new poll from uh, one of the Arizona polling organizations that shows the Libertarian candidate is at 15 points. 15 points. It has Mark Kelly at 46. It has Blake Masters at 33. And it has the Libertarian at 15. If you gave every one of those Libertarian votes to Blake Masters, he'd be winning beyond the margin of error. Even if you took some of those votes from the Libertarian and gave them to Blake Masters, he'd be winning. The Libertarian is more than a spoiler of this election. It's a spoiler of our country because the United States Senate hangs in the balance. And I believe these self-satisfied quasi-purists, they think of themselves as purists. They're not purists. There are holes in every one of their arguments. But even assuming 
the claim to purism that they like to speak of for themselves, even assuming it's true, when they end up putting Democrats back in power, they're doing the opposite of what that purist philosophy of freedom is because they're doubling down and putting in power more welfare state progressive socialists. Shame on them. Shame on them. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Going from uh, issues of natural law to uh, positive law and constitutional law. Since it's Wednesday, we check in with our constitutional law expert, and that is Brett Johnson. He is a partner with the firm of Snell & Wilmer. They have offices across the country, but they are blessedly based here. Blessedly based here. Alliteration there. In Phoenix, uh, which is uh, our privilege to uh, be able to host him every week. Hello, Brett Johnson. How are you, sir? Good, Seth. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Love having you. Uh, we talked a little bit over the last couple of weeks that October is uh, when the Supreme Court uh, session starts in earnest, the U.S. Supreme Court. And we've talked about a few of the cases on their docket. One that's going to get more and more attention, I think, and that we haven't talked about is another case coming out of Colorado having to do with the Colorado, I think it has to do with their Anti-Discrimination Act, and I think it's that conflict between free speech and uh, religious liberty. It's kind of based a little bit off of, you correct me on anything I say that's wrong, a little bit based off that Masterpiece Cake Shop case, but tell us what we're looking at this term here. Yes, and and uh, the masterpiece cake uh, case thirty two point oh. So yeah. let me go back in time for everybody. So Colorado um, enacted um, several years ago a, a law called the Colorado Anti Discrimination Act, and basically um, it, it held that businesses could not discriminate about providing services for for any reason, um, race, gender, or sexual orientation. So those were the two major things. Um, in in two thousand eighteen, the Supreme Court heard a case from Masterpiece Cake, and Masterpiece Cake um, basically asserted that they were going to be forced or compelled to um, do speech, i.e. write things on the cakes that they disagreed with because of their religious beliefs in regard to um, um, gay rights. And as part of that that action, it had to go through an administrative appeals process. That's how the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, there's a commission that's involved. And the Supreme Court, in a very narrow opinion, so I just want to make sure everybody thinks Masterpiece Cake had it, it upheld uh, religious liberties. Again, as I've talked about before on the show, it, it really was in the nuance on how that commission handled its proceedings. And Justice Kennedy in that case basically said the things that were said by the commission during the deliberations of basically um, um, analy- analyzing uh, Masterpiece Cake to some of the slavery and some of the other more horrific things in history was not appropriate and therefore did not get a correct uh, proceeding or process, a due process during those proceedings. So. 
very limited. They specifically said they were not getting into necessarily the free speech element and, and the constitutionality of the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. So now fast forward to now, and you have 303 Creative LLC. And what they do is web designs and some uh, artistic um, activities for weddings. So think about you getting married and you want to basically have a big um, electronic invitation to all of your friends and they can sign on and it's interactive. And 303 Creative is owned by a woman who holds, holds Christian beliefs. And she did not want to be compelled to basically create websites for items that, that uh, were against her religion. In this like case, a same-sex marriage, for example. Same-sex marriage. Right. That's exactly okay. right. Okay. Um, and so she affirmatively sued and said, this is what I want to do, and I'm not allowed to do it. The district court and the Tenth Circuit, uh, all based out in Colorado, both said that, no, this was neutral content speech. You are engaged in a business, and you cannot say no to anybody. Her argument is, this is different than somebody coming into my shop and asking me, uh, do you have thank you cards on your rack and I can just buy? That would definitely be neutral content. What is different is, is that she's actually being asked to make the card, or in this case, make the website. And that is now compelled speech. And the Supreme Court does have, going a long way back, a, a doctrine called the compelled speech doctrine. And I'm sure anybody who has, again, gone to fourth grade um, has said is that the government can't force you to say anything. Um, the however, freedom of speech is the freedom, freedom not to speech. speak, right? Absolutely. That's and, the point. And, yeah. and that is, that's gone way back. But in the business context, it has, you know, gone back and forth. So that's where we are right now. And the Supreme Court has agreed to take this case. What's interesting about this case, um, when the Supreme Court decides whether or not to take a case, they go into um, basically a caucus. They go into a room. Only the justices are there. There are no clerks. There's no staff. And they decide which cases they're going to take. And this had to go before the Supreme Court in their caucus four times they, before they decided to take the case. And they have decided and it will be heard an oral argument next year. All right. Let me pause you right there. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming uh, right up after the brief commercial break, Brett Johnson, because I want to delve into some of the things involved in all of that and some of the conflicts between speech, between religion, both within the First Amendment and the issue of civil rights, which uh, might conflict with both as well. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brett Johnson from the Snell and Wilmer Law Firm. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Brett Johnson with us, a Snellen, uh, partner at the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm, talking about a really interesting Supreme Court case you will hear more of as the year continues on. Uh, a case out of Colorado, a person who um, is a uh, religious Christian, uh, not wanting to use her artistic uh, talents and skills to... Um, to design wedding uh, wedding uh, art for uh, the kinds of weddings that she or the kinds of marriages she and her faith um, object to. So in this case, a same-sex wedding. Colorado has a civil rights law that says people must, in business, must work with all people regardless of sexual orientation. And she's claiming she has, um, is she claiming, Brett, that she has a First Amendment speech right not to be compelled to say something she doesn't believe? Or is she making a First Amendment religious, freedom of religious claim that she, it would violate her religion to be compelled to follow this law? 
Uh, Similarly, right? So she's getting around the compelled speech doctrine um, by, you know, something that's more neutral. So the government saying, hey, this applies to all businesses because it is a violation of her uh, freedom of religion, Mm -hmm. right? And so so they are kind of linked together um, in that context and and, uh, basically saying I should not be compelled to speak um, based off my, and because I I have objections based off of my religious beliefs. So that's the, the the bottom line, and it, it does also come down from from the state side. I want to make sure it's clear. It is, it's a public accommodation type argument, right. you know. And obviously, um, our, our history, our American history, has um, you know a, a sorted history in in, in many respects. Sure. And and the public accommodations is is that when somebody comes into your shop, you're blind. You serve them accordingly. Sure. Sure. Um, but that's different, obviously, from what she is saying, which is you can't compel me to speak. I, I can serve, but I, I should not have to speak in what I am doing. Right. This is such an interesting both legal and theoretical debate about whether civil rights laws as defined by one group trumps other civil liberties, right? Whether whether uh, 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 at the federal level a 14th Amendment thing might might overrule a First Amendment thing a little bit. It's uh, That's the way I think of it. Maybe I'm wrong to think of it that way. But. No, no, you're 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 absolutely right, and and ironically, you know, it was, um, you know, Justice Jackson back in the Barnett case that actually struggled with right. the, this thing, and, right. and actually he quotes, struggles to coerce uniformity of sentiment in support of some end thought essential of their time and country have been waged by many good as well as by evil men. Those bent on its accomplishment must resort to an ever increasing severity. And I think that that really hits home from Justice Jackson mm-hmm. is, is that you're trying to accommodate the majority by basically shrinking the minority. And by doing that, you have an adverse impact on the freedom of speech. Uh, not in front of me, but going back some years in my head, there was a case out of Boston. I think it was called Hurley. Do I have this right? They had a, a, a parade, an Irish parade. A an gay, Irish parade. Right. A, 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 a gay rights group wanted to be part of that parade. Hurley didn't want them. He thought it would vitiate or diminish the message or at least change the message that they were trying to communicate on Irish pride. And as I recall, the Supreme Court held up the Hurley or the person who said, no, we get to control our speech. We get to control our message, even though there is a very serious, particularly in Massachusetts, um, you know, accommodation and civil rights claim for people uh, who want to uh, expound upon uh, gay rights. And and that's that's exactly right. And the, and that that Hurley case is one of the, obviously the cases that that's going to be relied on uh-huh. significantly in this matter for sure. Um, and in, in that case, the district court um, did hold that the parade should not go forward if you were going to reject um, you know, the gay rights pride, um, basically entry into that parade because again the criteria for it was more Irish pride than anything else. Right. And by inserting that, that that did change um, the message that they were trying to get across and the Supreme Court did. This is going to be a little bit different, right, because that is just, that's a straight-up compelled free speech. Here we obviously have the freedom of religion element um, as part of that. And if you might remember, maybe almost like six, seven months ago, we actually talked about Boston, we talked about right. the First Amendment, right. and it was a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court in regard to the flags. Right. And if the Boston was going to let um, everybody have flags, then they could not control the speech just because it was going to offend certain people. Um, and that was a Christian flag that they wanted to be able to post. Uh, tea leaves, Brett. You mentioned this in our previous segment. 
for the Supreme Court to take a case that they're flooded with with cases every year. They get God knows how many. I don't know. Maybe you do. Uh, Impossible to know. Maybe. Um, And they only get to select a certain amount because, you know, their time is limited and, and all that. Resources are limited. So it takes a vote of the Supreme Court. There are no clerks in the room. There are no secretaries. And what is the vote? Is it just a majority vote? Is it a supermajority vote to Correct. take a case? No, it's just, it's just a, more, a majority up and down. And we don't know what that vote is either, right? We'll never no. know. Presumably, we'll never know. So no, what but, does but that tell master, you? Yeah, what does it Well, tell it, it tells me that there, you know, the masterpiece cake was a 7-2 opinion, yeah. by the way. Justice yeah. Kagan and Justice Breyer um, were in the majority on that, but they significantly limited it. They realized in the masterpiece case that they did leave this kind of lingering issue. They, again, they dealt with it more in a procedural um, context. So I think because there's so much going towards the First Amendment on both sides, the right and the left, quite honestly, that the Supreme Court was saying, you know what, we need to we need to get into this a little bit more and provide some clarity about the First Amendment. Now, bringing it back to Arizona, which yep. we always need to do, yep. you know, the Supreme Arizona Supreme Court addressed this a very, very similar... Quill and Pen or something like that? A brush and nib. Quill and Pen, brush and nib. I was yeah. on the companion case. Okay. And Justice Gould, who was on the uh, Supreme Court at yep. the time, wrote wrote a very lengthy opinion um, that I think is going to have a lot of significance in this case because it's, it's literally on point. Mm-hmm. And right. the Arizona Supreme Court determined using First Amendment um, compelled speech doctrine type analysis um, that you could not force somebody to speak. You can't not obviously somebody again comes in and, and orders a cake and just says I, I want the blue and white cake sounds good but the moment you tell that person I want you to put something specific on that cake that is what's crossing the line perfect I remember after that case came down I immediately hired those ladies to uh, make some uh, address cards for me so <laughs> I was trying to do my little part to help Brett Johnson you're wonderful Snell and Wilmer Law Firm SWLaw.com is their website Brett Johnson until next week thank you you, sir, and God bless you. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Leibson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're worried about stock market volatility, especially with President Biden in office, let me offer you an investment opportunity from some show sponsors here. Why Refi? Good friends of the show, good friends of mine, great people. They have a really unique investment opportunity. They're offering it all up, this investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10 and a quarter percent return for investors. And the investment can be in an individual investment, a joint investment, it can be in a trust, it can be in an IRA. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. It's made up of really great guys, as I mentioned, who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Never a sales pitch, just uh, happy to talk to you about what it is that they do 
and let it speak for itself. I was just talking with Brett Johnson, who we were interviewing off air uh, as uh, as we were into the commercial break, about I remember very seriously the debates, or I remember very well the serious debates in the um, mid-90s and early aughts, early 2000s, when gay marriage was much more of a debate than it is now. And those early advocates for it, maybe you might call them the first generation of gay rights advocates. You think of your Jonathan Rauches and your Andrew Sullivans. They were saying, all we want is marriage. That's all we want. All we want is the right to marriage. And a lot of conservatives kind of weren't sure how to make an argument against it, the idea of equality and all that sort of thing. And one of the things they said was, well, you know, how is that going to affect religious objection? How is that going to affect religious institutions? Perhaps a church might not want to hire um, might not want to hire a, a pastor or, or, or um, you know, a religious leader who is married uh, to someone of the same sex. Uh, what about religious schools? Do they have to hire professors, faculty, and staff um, who might be married to someone of the same sex? You see this now going on and, and taking place as debates uh, with the businesses like in Colorado. You saw it here in Arizona. Uh, you see it with Yeshiva University in New York. Uh, the religious claim, the First Amendment freedom of religion claim over and against the public policy that is au courant or being advocated by these public uh, accommodations and civil rights laws. The Sullivans and the Rauches back then said, we will leave you alone. All we want is marriage. We will not touch any of the religious institutions. Well, a new generation has come up, and this is exactly what has happened. This is exactly what they're saying. Yeshiva University can't be Yeshiva University. Uh, bakers can't be bakers if they if they if they want to maintain a Christian message and uh, Christian ethos. Uh, designers, car designers—that's what they're saying, and that's where the interesting conflict is now. When you created this new civil right that goes up and over and against the civil liberty, of freedom of religion, and freedom of speech. Thanks for spending some of your day with us, Jeremy. Thank you for producing today. Job well done. Thank you, sir. Until tomorrow. I am Seth Leibson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 